Hello, Andrew Berkowitz here, and welcome back to another episode of the Global Startup Movement. And I hope you're liking our new format. I'm loving our new studio in Peace Tech Lab in the United States Institute of Peace campus, and I hope you are too. And on today's episode, I am joined by Adil Yalchin, who is the CEO and founder of Keshef, a very important data visualization tool that's used by clients such as the Department of State, the World Bank, UNDP, UNICEF, and many, many more. Adil is a great example of entrepreneurs that I love to have on the show, which is people who are creating tools with technology to amplify human intelligence and uplift emerging and frontier markets all around the world. I know you're going to love this episode just as much as I enjoyed recording it. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss any episodes of the Global Startup Movement. But now let's cue the music and turn it over to Adil Yalchin, CEO and founder at Keshif. Today we are here with Adil Yelchin, this founder and CEO of Kesha. Adil, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So, uh, Kesha, tell me more. Tell me more. What, what, <laughs> what do you guys do? There's a lot. Uh, yes. No, it's just uh, it's been a two and a half year journey. Many more to come. Uh, we're here for, for the long run. Uh, so, um, I started the company after I graduated with the University of Maryland, uh, computer science department with my PhD. So just uh, I had been focusing on uh, the human co- computer interaction uh, area, specifically data visualization, and uh, having done some research and you know understanding the foundations and some practice and publishing some research. Uh, when I graduated, I didn't want to like leave it behind and just you know let it sit in the academic circles and so on. I wanted to bring it out to the real world. Um, and I was uh, kind of very fortunate uh, in the early days, even before I started. Um, the uh, you know, like one of the things uh, you know they say about the startups is like your first customer, your first set of customers are very important. Like you have to make sure that they're happy and you know uh, that you get good feedback from them. Um, so right as I was graduating, I had the chance to uh, present at an event. And uh, following the event, I was contacted by a, a guy called Beharsh, uh, and he was at the UNDP Bangladesh um, working on some conflict uh, data. And he had seen kind of what I liked and was really interested in uh, its applications and bringing it to um, you know their project to better understand and present and visualize the data. And that was a relatively quick. Uh, kind of work, but um, I guess it worked well. And he was like, you know, I, I want to kind of get on the journey with you and build this together. And you know, seeing it, uh, its applications, and you know, where can we kind of further take that? And uh, became the co-founder uh, of the company um, right around that time. Um, so yeah, and since then we've been working together and um, expanding our outreach and uh, navigating various challenges in business and developing the product and you know all of these things that we have to figure out as uh, first-time founders uh, you know as for a tech company yeah um, so it's been it's been a good journey so far yeah, yeah. well I'm, I'm glad you didn't let the technology yeah. die when just in, at UMD there there's this whole world that I've just learned about really this year of, of tech transfer and the the you know the concept that at like in the United States at least we spend 
billions of dollars every single year that goes into federal labs and mm-hmm. research universities that ends up producing all these inventions and mm-hmm. this IP. But because there's kind of a broken, for, for many reasons, broken process to actually get that IP out into the private sector, mm-hmm. most of it just ends up sitting on the shelf and none of it's actually turned into yeah. uh, companies. I, I, did, I did learn an interesting stat this year that um, if we as a, as a country were able to get um, just 5% of these inventions out into the private sector at a 95% fail rate, that would add 1.5 trillion US dollars to GDP just with that, right? <laughs> and so congrats on being able to kind of take that out of the... Yeah, um, being a part of that uh, process. And I think yeah. it starts with like motivation. The universities also need to motivate, you know, the students or graduates or the, or the researchers to um, kind of be more, be more engaged with, uh, you know, not just the research community, but also kind of finding practical applications or different audiences. And, you know, I think, you know, everybody's, all the researchers are also working with the good intentions. Um, and, you know, sometimes they want to appeal to their community. And I think especially for data visualization and analytics, it's uh, generally outward looking, uh, I think. It's not just, you know, internal, but they're also trying to expand their, uh, you know, the vision. And, uh, but it's, it's been always about the people, let's say. Um, yeah. You know the, the the experiments or trying to understand how we perceive data, how we interact with it, a little more of the cognitive aspects, uh, psychological cognitive aspects. So it's been a part of the HCI, human computer interaction in general, and also with data visualization. I think having so many big applications. Um, you know, I think that kind of uh, the the environment uh, makes it close, and I could just um, take the step into a little unknown. Um, having seen such success stories from before, even from our lab as well. Yeah. Uh, Spotfire uh, was one of the kind of, is one of the big analytics providers. It was the foundations was done partly in human computer interaction lab. So there's a history. Um, right. Just yeah. that was inspirational, I think. Right. Well, so, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, data visualization software. I mean, t- obviously Tableau is like, you know, c- comes to mind when you say that, but what, what was unique about your software that, uh, someone from like UNDP or someone from a de- development finance world would look at it and say, mm-hmm. we need to apply this to some of the data sets that, that, that we see in, in the field, right? Well, I mean, what, what, what's unique about your platform in that sense? Yes. Um, so I think um, thinking of like the long-term perspective, um, uh, we want to automate and uh, apply all the effective practices from the zero, not like trying to figure out every single decision that you have to make to create a good visualization. So it's still a very expert-driven practice. It's, um, uh, the required expertise is getting uh, lower because the tools are getting simpler and simpler. So there's always this kind of progression and, uh, you know, and the, the advancements of, advancement of the tools. Uh, but I think with Keshev, we try to kind of make it go to extreme where people, uh, you know, how can we lower the barriers? as much as possible and how then do we identify you know um how uh we ask questions how we discover new trends not just answering one question but kind of navigating a set of questions um so we are trying to do it as automated and as smart as a kind of a systematic way uh both kind of practical and in theory kind of combined um and that's the kind of the longer term uh vision yeah. over here um, in the in the short term, um, you know, oh, there's with, with many vendors being out there. I think that um, the the project implementation phases take a lot of time, and there's a lot of back and forth. So it just it's it's an advantage to come into the table, 
having built something that is already applicable to many of the questions that they have. Also, in the meantime, working with the clients or different organizations, different teams to identify which aspects of the design and technology needs to be adjusted and, you know, uh, to be able to fit into the context. So there is both a, a generalist approach, which is the kind of the tech startup and the, and the future of data analytics as, I, as we see it. Uh, but also there is the kind of contextual one-on-one -on -one working with individual teams and having some flexibility to move across kind of both worlds and uh, so to speak. Yeah. Well, so what are, what are some of the inefficiencies and like gaps in the data, right? That, that like, cause a lot of your, like you work, I believe on your website, I mean like the world bank, USA, like all the de big development finance players use your platform, right? So like what are, what are the inefficiencies in the data that they're looking to use your platform to kind of mm -hmm. solve? Uh, I mean, one thing is kind of, um, the practical approach would be the speed to start analyzing and uh, so on. I think one of the more fundamental things that I've been focused on is this exploratory aspect uh, with, mm -hmm. you know, interacting with data. When we are still looking at um, different RFPs and, you know, what organizations think they need, they're still on the front of like, I want just a chart. I want a monthly infographic. I want a map that just shows this. And they're just more like a, pic pic you know, a static pic uh, picture. Right? And it has its certain users, but we also want to inspire people to show like, okay, it's not just about one picture. It's not just about, you know, one trend because the, the picture can hide so many things as well. You know, it's just a one story. Uh, it may not be the truth. You know, we, we want to have more like a 360 exploratory, like engaging the people to really, you know, just don't take things as, as uh, at face value. Mm. Right. So that's the, one of the bigger uh, messages and things that, kind of we are building on and promoting while also being able to deliver, you know, these, um, you know, what people need at the moment, uh, these, these charts and, you know, custom designs. And um, so we are, again, kind of meeting both the needs of the current world um, and as well as inspiring people to think more about the data, which comes a lot, a lot, a lot of challenges, including data literacy across the organizations are uh, vastly varying um, so some people might be more aware of uh, you know certain tools and techniques and uh, some may not and those that are aware may choose to apply their own practices in their own way so just changing behavior is I guess a, a challenge for many startups so for us it's changing behavior with dealing with data yeah um, and I mean do you have a sense of the the data that's being kind of used and, and mm -hmm. focused on in these markets like what is the most when when you're implementing a project or operating a company mm -hmm. in these markets, I mean, what is the data that is most important to kind of keep track of and visualize and, and make sure that mm -hmm. um, you know risks risks are yeah. mitigated accordingly? Um, so we work with a variety of uh, data sets and different companies. So the tool is built in a generic way, but uh, the some of the trends that we are seeing uh, right now is the surveys um, are very common. Um, so. I think, you know, now that there's a push for people to be a little more data driven and, you know, collect, a lot of organizations are trying to collect data from the ground. And the way they generally achieve this is, you know, by surveying people and using surveying uh, techniques and methodologies. So surveys are a common kind of a set of, um, you know, data sets. And uh, another one that we're looking at right now is indicators. Um, basically understanding, you know, if you're looking at a global or regional thing, different countries, how does it change over time? 
So tracking, uh, I mean, even uh, in this room, you can track the temperature outside, but uh, the temperature of the media, let's say, how does it change over time or freedom or even conflict? Or if you look at the World Bank, uh, there's a lot of economic indicators, a lot of uh, socio-demographic indicators. So we have seen that to be a very common and rich data set, um, not just because of the numbers. Uh, there can be you know, sometimes a million numbers in a data set across, uh, if you're measuring 100 things over 10 years, the numbers multiply very quickly. But also what multiplies is the kind of questions that you can ask. Um, so we are, you know, understanding and uh, looking at various solutions and coming up with the best strategies so that we solve it kind of once and for all as much as possible, the indicators being the other data set. And the third one uh, I can say about the conflict data, uh, generally of the term of who, what, when, where. So if there is something event happened, how many people got affected, what was it about, who were the actors, uh, what is the exact location you pinpoint on a map, and then you can ask so many different questions about seeing geographic trends and correlations between maybe geography and, and socio-demographics or different uh, kinds of attacks or incidents that are happening. So these are just like three of the um, uh, kinds of data that we have found to be coming kind of frequently on our, mm. you know, with our clients. Yeah, I could imagine it's pretty challenging to actually, at, at a large scale in some of these markets, conduct a, a survey and actually make sure that the data that you're returned is, is you know, accurate. And mm -hmm. like, are, what, what are some of the survey tools in this market? Like, cause I'm just imagining like maybe like using USSD rails or, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how you would, how you would distribute a survey to like rural areas. And, yeah. You know, what... uh, it's some of these areas are, are really tough environments. Yeah. Uh, there's a, you know, not a lot of technology infrastructure. One was like South Sudan, let's say, or you know areas that are uh, in, in big conflict um, and they generally you know we don't work on it directly but there are other teams that are helping our clients let's say collect the data uh, from the ground using you know statistical and right sampling methods and so on um, there and I was looking at it maybe there's a hundred different uh, survey uh, technologies or tools out there that help people with data collection and when you really get into implementation uh, you know, differences start to pop up. Uh, let's say uh, we were using some survey, let's say for humanitarian purposes, which requires like offline data collection and, uh, you know, maybe some uh, point locations and so on. There are some open source uh, tools and a lot of companies that provide services around those. But if you're looking at, you know, more established or, you know, a more uh, specific needs that would uh, collect data from teams of people with different workflows. So it's really hard to find like one go-to tool that uh, satisfies it all. Um, generally, it comes to, you know, uh, understanding the context of how the data will be collected, what kinds of data will be collected, what is the complexity of this uh, survey, and then choose the methodologies or even the, the survey outline and the approach um, you know, let, let the tool influence a little with that, but generally it's, uh, it's maybe not the, the first thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so what about your journey as, as an entrepreneur? I mean, do, do you spend a lot of most of your time here in the U S or do you, do yeah. you, do you okay. So, um, I, yeah, mostly in the U S, uh, Behar, my business partner has been, uh, sometimes traveling for some of these projects. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, having a, uh, uh, working data that comes or uh, represents global trends, um, but you know we don't necessarily have to travel um, to really 
Um, and I think um, there is a benefit to it too, like because um, um, so some there there are different you know distances you need to look at uh, uh, an, an issue, right? So maybe in some cases we're able to look from a more distant uh, you know perspective and seeing a different aspect of the data, different ways that the data can be improved or you know ways to look into it. So it's about bringing a fresh perspective. So if you sometimes focus on a topic, like if I focus on this map so much in one area, I will just only see that point, right? And mm -hmm. I think you know for us uh, you know staying a little away and seeing the bigger picture helps us bring you know new ideas and new perspectives uh, when needed but also in the meantime not you know always remembering the context of the data and understanding what you know the other people really need um to complete their main mission yeah and so are there are there markets or countries in the world that there's like uh from from what you've seen in your platform just a lack of of insights and data it's kind of like on the you know Maybe on, on the North Korea side of things, where there's just like su such a lack of transparency into into the markets. Like, do you, do you find there's a lot of countries like that with with your platform? I think it depends on kind of what kind of question you're asking, mm -hmm. um, and even if you think about even the U.S., I think like it's uh, if you look at certain counties or certain trends, and you know certain like I think it's um, I, th there's no kind of a one single answer i mean north korea is probably one thing of just being a closed country you know by uh by their practice but i think in almost every topic there are always some blind spots um even in the most advanced areas and so on mm. there's always some kind of uh, uh an area that can require more attention um and if you're collecting data from a, like a war-torn area like yes there's probably no data and have you asked the right question? Have you collected? And you know, um, those are all separate, you know, challenges. Yeah, and so I know that. So I know a lot of your customers are here, like in DC and like the development world um, or development finance world. But do you find that with your platform, are, are is it being used by any uh, any governments or anything to kind of improve governance within the country? Because you know, one one thing I'm seeing is that they like. There are a lot of what the UN would qualify as like least developed countries that have leaders that want to improve their governance, but mm -hmm. they just don't know how to allocate resources correctly. Like they allocate something here and then they don't know how much is actually going to get implemented yeah. versus just taken away from, you know, through yeah. corruption or whatever it may be. So is there an element of, you know, mm -hmm. using using your platform for, for better governance in these countries? Yes. Um, I, I think the core uh, motivation on those areas also sometimes come from the civil society. Uh, in those countries and and ways to support and strengthen the civil society organizations or media or, or, or similar, you know, uh, nonprofit organizations in the country. So um, we have had um, some work with um, some local organizations um, that were trying to increase transparency and promote good governance and looking at, uh, you know, both like citizen involvement. So and, and, and these are, are becoming like a, you know, different pockets of projects that we have tried to kind of push forward um, with a quick result, very rapid development, some kind of capacity building activities. Uh, Kosovo project, there was uh, one. Um, not directly, you know, working with the government, but uh, in a way um, helping other organizations that are, have, have such goals and trying to support them and trying to help them understand the available data, what can be done, how they can uh, advocate um, for uh, their mission and the results, um, trying to also get get them motivated and, and activated uh, within their countries. And 
finding organizations that are willing to support those activities to create such programs to uh, support more of, I mean, grassroots, I believe might be a term. Yeah. Um, um, and of course, you know, the governments also have such incentives. Um, we haven't directly kind of integrated uh, working with um, a developing kind of country government. They're generally yeah. about consortiums and so on. Mm, yeah, I mean, it seems like, like, and, and I would love to really get some insight from you because from what you've learned with Keshef on the future of data visualization and kind of where you think we're headed because it seems like we are entering in the world where inefficiencies, there. There, there's less and less of a need for some of the inefficiencies that exist, especially within the governance of a lot of these countries. But it's more a issue of a lack of political will to actually implement systems and you know tools that mm -hmm. can actually help help solve a lot of the problems that are that are caused by just a lack of data, a lack of well, just I mean general corruption, right? That if mm -hmm. the, we had the data to kind of visualize it, maybe that would increase the um, ability for some of these leaders to actually you know. Um, mm -hmm. take some of the pots of money that if if there's more insight into it won't happen um, but you know wh where are we going and like what direction is the whole data visualization industry heading in um, yeah I mean there's there's a lot of uh, kind of ideas maybe there that yeah. you know you were, you were trying to ask um, let me think um, I mean, one thing, uh, you know, thinking about the some of the organizations that we had some interactions with, I guess, like, um, I wish that, you know, people can be kind of more open minded, also try to bring in new technologies or new ideas or, you know, sometimes it, it can happen in many different contexts, but like know it all kind of mentality. Yeah. I think that we are all, uh, you know, guilty of that to an extent. Uh, and I'm trying to be also, you know, trying to remind myself of that. But, um, you know, I, that sometimes gets in the way or like how projects are implemented can have by definition of, you know, inefficiencies. Uh, you know, either trying to work with some local agencies or, you know, how the the process is implemented on a high level, there can be some inefficiencies. And I'm not sure if, if we are trying to, we are learning how to navigate around those and finding the, um, you know, uh, the, the, the right path forward to really help people, uh, you know, the best way we know how. Um, in terms of the future of um, kind of data visualization analytics, I mean, it's a huge industry now. There's, you know, if you look at the big players, there's a lot of consolidation and acquisitions and, you know. Um, the sales, I believe Salesforce, Salesforce bought Tableau for yes. a lot, a lot of money, right? Yeah, and uh, Google uh, bought Looker, um, again, you know, uh, very high uh, valuations. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but on the other hand, um, I realized that through the experience, like however further these technologies are, there is a big uh, uh, ecosystem of providers. So none of the organizations. So if you, if you, if whatever technology you get, it is not at a point right now that the organization who purchases that technology is able to use it the next day. Hmm. Uh, there is always a you know somebody who comes in and takes a good portion of the money and time and effort to really set up that system. So there is a certainly a progress towards you know, getting better and better and better, an incremental thing. But I think that it doesn't change the fact that um, none of these technologies out there, including us. So right now we are also directly working with, you know, organizations and maybe it's, there is that, that personal touch is needed. Um, but I, again, as I observed, um, however big these companies get, there's, they always form ecosystems of consultants of services companies that are building the quote-unquote solutions using these technologies. 
Um, so we are right now like touching on both ends of the, you know, of the spectrum yeah. by building technology and also applying these solutions. And uh, in a way, like I'm not really kind of concerned or of course, like we are kind of following the trends and seeing what's new. But I always I realize that um, you have to be trained. You have to hire the people who know how to use these technologies, whatever technology you have. Um, so, yeah, there's that kind of inefficiencies um, still. And I think it's going to go on for the relatively foreseeable future. Yeah. And so is, is Keshev, are you all, I think in, in the long, in the long tail, are you all disrupting data scientists? Because I think some of the most the highest paid people and most yeah. valuable people right now in a lot of large corporates are yeah. the data scientists. And there's a huge competition on talent in that yes. area. Right. Yeah. And so, but, but do you think we're moving towards with artificial intelligence, with some of the tools that, you know, for example, Keshev is building that we're eventually going to be in a world where it, I mean, you don't necessarily mm -hmm. need data scientists because yeah. the platforms themselves can kind of, you know, yeah. analyze the data and, and improve, produce results. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, a certain term some, we sometimes use and others have used as well as uh, the democratized uh, data science, right? Um, so um, I, we are trying to make the non-data scientists a little more towards like data scientists in some way, right? Getting them more knowledgeable. And so... Uh, and 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 the the the, benefit, the biggest benefit of our technology is uh, for people who are a little left behind or who you know increase and and also there's there's a lot of uh, applications and and speed and and strength that data scientists could also get from a new technology that maybe solving the 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 repeating basic building blocks so that's kind of where we fit in as the kind of the the building block of like um, uh, to to jumpstart, let's say an analysis. Yeah. Um, and in that front, uh, we have seen that um, uh, people have their own ways of you know or they like to use more established tools, or um, they they also want to tinker and get their hands dirty, right? That people want that kind of flexibility. So there are tools that are able to provide more of that flexibility, and uh, for that reason, and for sometimes for other reasons, um, the data science community. Um, prefers to use, let's say, some other kinds of tools. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it, from, you know, what we are, we are trying to do is to, as I said, the build the, ba uh, uh, the, the building blocks, the basics, and cover that in the most effective way. And I think when we have, um, you know, more applications and um, feature set and with more marketing and so on, there will be come to, a, you know, a perspective shift. Um, and that will gradually happen as we also progress on our journey. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what what jobs are are safe and what jobs are at risk when it, you know when when it comes to trends in artificial intelligence. I would I would imagine that at least for the near term, data scientists are still going to be paid yeah. very well yeah. and going to be very sought after by by corporate America. Um, but who, I mean, who knows in the long run? But uh, deals are anything you want to sign off with or and uh, anything you want to leave the good folks with. Well, I think um, the uh, yeah, data scientists are you know people who can ask questions, who are a little skeptical, who wants to see the story behind or you know the data behind the data even. Like, yeah, I, I think a, a machine cannot really take away the you know human's creativity. It can only kind of supplement and help you achieve that goal and inspire. But there is this uh, the the human mind is you know a marvelous let's say uh, thing on its own. And I think, you know, the, whatever the term we call, 
there's always a need for human creativity. And I think what we're trying to do is also to inspire that human creativity, human intelligence with more like transparent tools and give the power to the people and let them not just take something at face value, but to go a little deeper and explore, analyze a little deeper for no matter what the background uh, might it. be. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess before before we say goodbye, we do yeah. have this, this beautiful <laughs> slideshow playing. Um, is there anything that you want to specifically highlight on, on, on the slideshow? Yeah, there's a kind of a couple of our projects and data sets we have uh, looked at. Um, I, I really kind of coming, coming from more of a, uh, like a building it kind of mentality and build and demo mentality. I really wanted to kind of bring that perspective a little because, okay. uh, you know, sometimes uh, we, we can lose the product or the re really what is the impact while talking about the story. So as we talk about the story here, I kind of want to put some of the actual results and some of the projects that we have done. Um, looking at, and I was mentioning indicator data. Some of them are indicator data sets on, on, on media, on civil society, sustainability, media sustainability. Um, some of them are, you know, uh, conflict data. Um, so I just wanted to uh, show a suite of uh, visualizations. And I guess one of them is also animated. So all that journey is also important uh, as far as it reflects on the screen. Um, so bring that kind of a flavor to it and just, you know, make it a little more spicier, I guess, yeah. as, as we talk. And yeah, <laughs> okay. people enjoy it. Awesome. Well, Adil Yasin, CEO and founder of Keshev, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you a lot for having me. It was wonderful.